This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Now on the news hour, a brazen broad daylight shooting. The suspect in custody, a victim in hospital with innocent bystanders put at risk. Plus, I don't want to think about it. It's too high, right? The double digit proposed increase sprung on Surrey taxpayers. The apparent reason rectifying what was a misguided police transition and the reaction also anniversary of a cold case. That same man with her came on the phone and said, you better get here within half an hour or I'm phoning the police. The renewed appeal for answers in the quest to find a little girl who vanished in the Fraser Valley. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with breaking news out of Vancouver where the aftermath of a brazen daylight shooting on the city's downtown east side spilled into Chinatown this afternoon, forcing some businesses to temporarily lock their doors and bystanders wondering what exactly was happening. Grace Key joins us now with new details just in from police on this. Grace. Yeah, we're just on East Hastings right now where you can see behind me here this street is still blocked off as police continue their investigation. So we know the shooting happened uh, somewhere on East Hastings here at about 2.30 in the afternoon and police say the suspect then ran to Chinatown. It's unclear if he ran down Columbia, but Pender is just a block away and we do have video of that takedown that happened on Pender. So businesses in the area were told by police to shut their doors and stay inside as they were searching for that suspect. Now, some of the businesses told us they were probably uh, locked down in their businesses for about 45 minutes or so. So the suspect we know is a man in his 30s, originally from Alberta. Vancouver police are saying again that the shooting happened somewhere in East Hastings at about 2.30 in the afternoon where Vancouver police officers were working. A 31-year-old victim was repeatedly shot. Now, several rounds were fired and one of those rounds did go into a parked vehicle and there was somebody inside, so this was obviously a very reckless act, and uh, surprisingly, no one else was injured. Now, some officers did stay and care for the injured man. Others did track down that suspect that fled from East Hastings to Chinatown, where he was arrested moments later. Now, the victim is known to police, doesn't live in the downtown east side. He was taken to hospital with serious injuries, and he is expected to survive. Now, Pender was open just a few minutes ago, but you can see behind me here, East Hastings is still shut down as they continue their investigation. Obviously, very early on in this case, and a motive is unclear at this time. Sarah? Okay, clearly a dynamic and fluid situation. Grace Key in downtown Vancouver. Grace, thank you. Now to growing reaction to the city of Surrey's surprise long weekend announcement of a whopping proposed double-digit tax hike this year. A large part of that increase is being blamed on the city's policing transition. Kamal Kermali spoke with the taxpayers who could be saddled with a whole new set of expenses. The news hit Surrey homeowners like a ton of bricks. I don't want to think about it. 
Why not? It's too high, right? The city proposing a double-digit property tax hike. Already I have no job. Yeah, my, my work is very slow. That's a good day. So this is going to be very difficult. Yeah, very difficult. Much of it to cover the costs of the transition of its police force. And cost overruns and, and just the stalling of getting here. The city maintains that even though keeping the RCMP in Surrey is cheaper than going ahead with the new municipal force, there's a $116 million shortfall created so far by the police transition process. So to make up for it, the budget proposed a 9.5% general property tax increase for the next three years. That means the average single-family household can expect to pay $219 more next year. Add that to the 7% property tax increase already proposed for things like inflation, city operations and hiring extra police officers and an extra 1% roads and traffic levy and your average Surrey home could see a 17.5% surge in property tax. This budget is based on what the council voted on, which is to keep the RCMP as the police of jurisdiction. If we were to go with the Surrey Police Service, that number would be significantly more. That's something the Surrey Police Service and other councillors have refuted. I've been calling for somebody independent of any of the organizations to do an audit and give us the real numbers, work with everybody together and let's all agree on the numbers before we proceed. The province has asked for more time to make a final decision on whether the city should go ahead with its municipal service or the RCMP. So without a final number on how much the transition will cost, many are asking for the budget to be released later. So to, to proceed in this direction is irresponsible. Well, we have till May 15th to make a decision, so we, there is still time. Instead, a public meeting will be held on March 6th to go over the budget councillors banking on the hope that plenty will be in attendance to have their say. Kamel Karamali, Global News. And another B.C. municipality in the Okanagan Valley is also considering a substantial property tax increase, this time pinned on high inflation. A report is set to go to Coldstream Council on Tuesday, outlining an 8.4 percent tax hike. 2023 is projected to be a challenging year for the municipal budget in Coldstream and other cities, due in part to the soaring cost of living. If passed, those new funds would go towards new infrastructure, road construction and contract wage increases. We started at an over 10% tax increase, which is the baseline, and through discussions with council, we've whittled it down to your 8.34%. And some of the reasons for that are absolutely unavoidable. One thing to remember that a 1% increase in taxes in Coldstream raises $72,000. In the big picture, that doesn't go very far. For now, staff recommends council begin public consultation on that proposed increase. A pedestrian has been left with life-threatening injuries after being struck by a vehicle in Surrey early this morning. Around 1 o'clock this morning, police say a van traveling eastbound hit a pedestrian on 64th Avenue and 168th Street in Cloverdale. The male pedestrian is now hospitalized in critical condition. The van has significant front-end damage. Police say its driver remained on scene and is cooperating with the investigation. Driver impairment is not believed to be a factor. 
A suspect has now been arrested and charged after two random assaults in Richmond on Valentine's Day. 41-year-old Ernesto Mendoza Melgopo was arrested in Richmond on Friday in connection with two alleged stranger assaults on Tuesday morning near the Richmond Brighouse Skytrain station. Police say a bystander flagged down an officer after discovering a woman lying on the sidewalk. A second woman then came forward to police as well, saying she had been assaulted by a stranger. Malgapo is charged with one count of assault, causing bodily harm, with more charges expected. It has been a busy weekend for search and rescue crews in the Okanagan, where a group of skiers found themselves stranded and in need of help on Big White last night. Victoria Famia now with the latest call out keeping crews on their toes amid what's already an exhausting season for rescuers. There are so many winter activities to try in the Okanagan's backcountry, but that comes with an increased reliance on search and rescue teams. And the Vernon crew is already off to a busy start this year with 11 calls. We do an average of 21 to 25 snow or winter operation calls. In January alone, we've done nine. The busy start comes after a hectic 2022, where the number of calls skyrocketed. The trend search and rescue teams are noticing this year is inexperienced people getting lost or stranded in the backcountry, as opposed to injury calls, which have been very few. It's people getting into terrain that they're ill-equipped for or um, their bikes or their sleds aren't, uh, aren't capable of going down. However, inexperience isn't all to blame. Low levels of snow have hampered backcountry activities, pushing people into possibly dangerous areas. So you have to go up quite high to get that really nice uh, powder or uh, an area where there's not a lot of tracks and it's untouched pristine snow. So when you do that, you're going in farther and farther into the backcountry. Unlike Vernon Search and Rescue, Central Okanagan and Penticton crews are at a usual number of calls for this time of year. COSAR adding another rescue to its list Saturday night when five skiers went out of bounds at Big White Ski Resort. We had contacted uh, Big White Ski Patrol to assist us and we formulated a plan in which uh, Big White Ski Patrol would come down from the top of the mountain. We would send up snowmobile team from the bottom of the mountain and we would make contact with our subjects. All skiers were found safe and uninjured, just cold from being outside for close to four hours, which is a normal amount of time to wait for a rescue, as crews need time to meet, make a plan, and get to you. You unload your, your machines and then access to the backcountry. So depending how far they're in, that could be an hour, that could be three hours, it could be seven hours. Our average search call this winter has been nine hours. And if you do get lost, stranded, or hurt in the backcountry, here is some advice. Stay in your location. When we are dispatched, we will go to where your last known location is. Victoria Femia, Global News. And a heads up now for the plenty of people traveling this long weekend by car or by boat. Some notable weather advisories have been issued that you need to know about if you'll be highway driving or catching a ferry. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now with details. Yvonne, a one-two punch of sorts is coming with first the snow and then the wind. Yeah, and this is really going to impact our family day, especially if you're traveling along the mountain passes. We've got a significant amount of snow that begins this evening and intensifies even as we get in towards tomorrow night. Big concern will be along the Coquihalla. We've
We've got a winter storm warning, an additional 15 and up to 25 centimeters, and this snowfall is going to continue all the way in towards Tuesday morning. Allison Pass for tomorrow, 10 and up to 15, and along the Kootenay Pass, 15 and 20. So you'll want to check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. Also along coastal areas, we're going to see the winds pick up through the day tomorrow. Along the western edge of the island, we could see those gusts up to 100 kilometers per hour. Victoria will be included within that. We're also seeing very windy conditions for us across Metro Vancouver. Some of those gusts of up to 70 kilometers per hour. A big weather story as we get in towards the week will be the temperatures, the cool down, the potential for snow is on the way. I'll have that coming up very shortly. Sarah. All right, Yvonne, thanks. We'll see you soon. A recent report on the state of Northern Health has found about 20% of priority positions like nurses and physiotherapists are vacant in rural and remote areas. Northern Health says of the more than 3,900 non-casual positions that were posted in the 2022 fiscal year, 17% of those postings became difficult to fill vacancies, which are positions that remain unfilled for more than 90 days. Officials say even with a 20% baseline vacancy in remote regions that doesn't necessarily reflect the number of positions left vacant in any given facility. What we do find is we're actually able to fill about 90% of all the nursing hours and about 93% of all the other healthcare hours. And we do that through a variety of ways, uh, such as relief staff, we have casuals, we also have regularized relief positions and we uh, will have staff that will work overtime. Northern Health adds healthcare worker shortages can be more than twice as high in remote areas and recruitment along with retention will play a big role in fixing the issue. The report also found that more than half, 55% of employment departures from Northern Health happen within three years of employment. While many industries across the province are still assessing the impact of numerous closures or curtailments in the forestry sector, and that includes the closure of Canfor's pulp mill in Prince George at the end of next month. Kenan Fanshawe of CKPG News Now has more on how that trickle-down effect could affect the trucking industry. A quick tire check, just part of the routine here at Excel Transportation, and it has been since 1985. That's when the first truck started turning on here to haul chips and residuals for the forestry sector. The current downturn in the market, not good for business here. These bigger curtailments come and shutdowns. It does get to be a bit concerning. What does the future look like? We don't even know. And, and not having the stability of knowing what's going on, it's, it's hard to plan. But there is another challenge, too, facing the trucking industry. This to do with drivers. So we're struggling every day with a shortage of drivers. Hiring to fill the 40-truck fleet at Excel has been a struggle for years. The same going for other big players like Lomac and Aero. So a forestry slowdown may be a relief of some sort. We've heard for years there was going to be one pulp mill going down, being there was three in Prince George. So that um, makes sense. Um, another pulp mill would be devastating to our whole community, not just our trucking industry. As the dominoes continue to fall in closures and curtailments, that pie shared by all the players gets even smaller. 
That just as lumber prices also remain in a slump, fueling a deeper concern for all parties involved. It's the old saying, right? You, you put a frog into a pot of boiling water and you'll get a reaction, but if you heat the water up over time, you, you don't necessarily. And unfortunately, that's what's happening in forestry. If you look back two or three years, there's been enough curtailments, closures, shutdowns, that it would be the equivalent of boiling water. But because it's been stretched out, that water is being heated slowly over time. You know, it's, it's just the unpredictability. When you're in the trucking industry especially, you're running at pretty low margins. So you need to have stability, you need to have consistency, and not having that with the current market and the current announcements happening gives us a little bit of sleepless nights for sure. There are still many question marks on what happens this spring. If market conditions don't improve, there's fears a lot of economic activity could be stuck in park. Caden Fanshawe, CKPG News. A fuel spill has been spotted leaking from a partially submerged fishing vessel in the Fraser River off Richmond. The vessel can be seen listing to its port side several meters off the north end of Dees Island near the Massey Tunnel. The Canadian Coast Guard says it has activated an environmental response team and a containment boom is being deployed. After the break, anniversary of a kidnapping cold case. That same man with her came on the phone and said, you better get here within half an hour or I'm phoning the police. Who took a little girl from a Fraser Valley phone booth? The appeal from investigators for new information. Plus. We're going down there as a women's team and playing against women. It's something brand new and very exciting for us. The paintballers going pro meet the all-Canadian, all-women's squad headed for the big leagues. That's coming up a bit later in the show. Stay with us. It has been exactly four decades since a young BC girl vanished seemingly without a trace from the Fraser Valley. Chilliwack RCMP say they are committed to solving the cold case disappearance of Joanne Pedersen. And as Kristen Robinson reports, investigators say they recently identified a man who's been a key focus of theirs since day one. What happened to Joanne Pedersen? The 10-year-old disappeared from a phone booth in Chilliwack on February 19, 1983. An exhaustive air and ground search turned up no trace of her. 40 years later, the case remains unsolved, but is still an active RCMP investigation. It grabbed at everybody's heartstrings. It was a very, very troubling case. It's like something out of a, a movie, and yet it's real. Yeah, we're rolling. Retired Global BC reporter John Daly remembers the chilling 2008 Crime Stoppers reenactment of the night Pedersen vanished. To see this little girl uh, in a rainy phone booth, you know, cars passing by, apparently talking to some guy in a black coat, and uh, it was it was just horrible. While her parents were out for the evening, 10-year-old Joanne got locked out of her house on a cold, rainy evening. Pedersen was last seen near the old Penny Pincher's store at Vetter and Roads, where she used the payphone to call her parents. Witnesses saw a man inside the phone booth with her. She uh, phoned and said, come and pick me up. And well, then did a man come on the phone at one yes, point? And, yes, a man, that same man with her came on the phone and said, you better get here within half an hour or I'm phoning the police. And I was there between 15 and 20 minutes. 25 years later, Pedersen's mother made an emotional plea to the mystery man who RCMP had not identified. As a mother, I'm pleading for you to come forward. 
please do that for me. In 2011, an anonymous letter hand-delivered to Chilliwack RCMP. There's certain details, I guess, in the letter that uh, only, only this person would know. Police revealed the man seen in the phone booth with Pedersen wrote them an anonymous letter in 2008, but were not certain he was behind this one too. Now, RCMP say they have identified the phone booth man and ruled him out as a suspect, but will not be sharing his name. One can only wonder what they've told him and why it took so long to find him and why he didn't come forward earlier. Or have they discovered who he was, determined who he was, and he's dead? We don't know. RCMP will only say the probe into Pedersen's disappearance has never stopped. The police went to the wall to solve this 25 years ago, and it looks like they're prepared to go to the wall again. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Coming up, a somber milestone in the Middle East. The search for survivors in quake-ravaged Turkey and Syria transitions to recovery. Plus, that other highly contagious virus you do not want to get, the increase in the spread of norovirus with case counts climbing, what you need to know after the break. For two weeks now, the world has watched as twin earthquakes shattered the lives of millions in Turkey and Syria. More than 46,000 people have been killed and millions more displaced. Now, as rescue efforts shift to recovery missions, there was a moving moment of thanks today for the lives rescuers did manage to save from beneath the rubble. Crews from more than 80 countries took part in the rescues, which persisted even 13 days after the quake. But as Mackenzie Gray reports, despite the stories of hope and resilience, there is anger and despair, especially over the length of time it took to get meaningful aid to Syria. 13 days after the massive earthquake that crushed Turkey and Syria, Turkish officials are saying the search for survivors is set to end on Sunday night. Rescue teams and their dogs sent off as heroes as the efforts now turn to recovery. As time goes on, there's no question that the likelihood of finding survivors becomes vanishingly small. So um, it's a reasonable um, response, I think. The scale of the damage seen clearly by U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken as he visited the heart of the Turkish disaster zone. The most important thing right now is to get assistance to people who need it, to get them through the winter, and to get them back on their feet. While supplies have flowed to Turkey, it's a different story in Syria. Dictator Bashar al-Assad has limited foreign aid to the rebel-held north, where there is extensive damage. Only today have Doctors Without Borders been able to enter the country, 13 days after the 7.7 magnitude quake. Many Syrians frustrated with the inability to get foreign help have turned to making their own tents, as the United Nations response has been hampered by the Assad regime. We're doing our best to step up the response as quickly as we can. That response now set to turn from rescue to recovery across the thousands of buildings crushed throughout the region. Mackenzie Gray, Global News, Ottawa. 
There is another nasty virus circulating that you'll want to avoid. The highly contagious norovirus is on the rise right across the country. Since January, public health officials have seen infection numbers rise in B.C. and most other provinces across the country. It spreads through sharing food or utensils or touching contaminated surfaces. Symptoms include nausea, diarrhea, stomach pain, muscle aches and fatigue. Health Canada says there is no prescription medication to treat norovirus, but most people begin to feel better on their own within a few days. Health officials encourage people to sanitize their hands frequently and stay home when feeling sick to curb the spread. After the break, Yvonne and Barry are here, plus the ultimate fanfare. I altered the dress, um, I made the hat, and then I made this from scratch. Tens of thousands of comic, gaming, and sci-fi fans are all in one place this weekend in spectacular costumes. We'll take you to Fan Expo Vancouver. That's after the break. You're watching Global BC. The Royal BC Museum is hosting its version of a garage sale this long weekend. An old 1930s radio converted to play digital music, cut out figures from the Titanic, a framed print of the BC legislature, and two fish models are among the unusual props and display items up for grabs at the museum's annual mammoth sale. The popular event is returning for the first time since 2020, with up to 75% off everything store-wide. In a first this year, the shop is also holding a silent in-person auction with six very unique items, including a replica model of the Titanic and an Emily Carr screen. We use it as an opportunity to get ready for spring and sell off merchandise that maybe we're not going forward with. And the museum, it gives the museum an opportunity to sell off props and items that they aren't using uh, any longer, things that maybe they've made for temporary exhibits in the past. And it just gives us the opportunity to have some really unique and very different items for sale. And new and unique items are added to the Mammoth sale every day. It runs through Family Day tomorrow when museum admission is free for seniors and anyone under 19 years old. All right, Yvonne Shell is back with our full forecast now, Yvonne. Thanks, Sarah. Good evening, everyone. We've got some rainfall along the south coast of Metro Vancouver, and the winds will really start to pick up as we get in through the day tomorrow. More on that coming up in just a moment. But there is that wave of rain. We're starting to see it even extending in towards the Fraser Valley. Fraser Valley has a rainfall warning. We could see up to 50 millimeters by tomorrow. There is the precipitation for most areas across the lower mainland. It's spotty for the island, but the winds will be the big weather story and intensifying as we get in towards tomorrow night. Western edge of the island could see winds northwesterly sustained at around 80 and gusts of up to 100 kilometers per hour. Inland, very windy conditions in most areas, even across Metro Vancouver, will see the potential by the water with those gusts of up to 70 kilometers per hour. Rainfall warning that's for the Fraser Valley continues through the day tomorrow with up to 50 millimeters. Big concern along the mountain passes with the winter storm warning that is in effect along the Coquihalla between 25 and up to 35 centimeters and that snow starts to ease off by Tuesday morning. So check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. Snowfall through the day tomorrow for the central interior includes the Prince George, includes Prince George, and we could see 10 and up to 20 centimeters. So lots of active weather in the mix. We'll be tracking a number of systems, but the concern for our family day as we get in through the day along the south coast will be very windy conditions, and that snow will intensify and continue for higher elevations. Along the mountain passes by Tuesday late in the day, we'll start to see a bit of a clearing. Cold Arctic air is in place, and I'll show you in the long-range forecast when we can see the potential for some snow. 
snow. So very wet and windy along coastal areas. Inland as we'll see a significant amount of snow for the central interior. Much at the southern interior, it's higher elevations along the mountain passes that we'll see that accumulating snowfall continuing into Tuesday morning. Kamloops will start to see highs through the day getting up to six degrees. So a bit of a transition for lower elevations and near the valley bottoms and Whistler also see some wet snowfall in the mix if you're traveling along the Sea to Sky Highway. Along the western edge of the island, that's we'll see very windy conditions that extends in towards Victoria as well. And for the lower mainland, we'll see the windy conditions really start to intensify as we get in towards tomorrow night. Five day forecast. So a wet and windy one for our family day. A bit of a break will be late day Tuesday, but Wednesday onwards, we've got this cold Arctic air that'll be in place. We have the potential to see some flurries. We'll be watching that very closely. And in towards our Thursday, we are going to see some sunshine in the mix. Sarah? Okay, looking forward to Thursday. Thanks so much, Yvonne. We'll see you soon. <laughs> It is full capacity at this year's Fan Expo Vancouver with no restrictions on the thousands of pop culture fanatics descending on the downtown core this long weekend to celebrate all things science fiction, fantasy and anime. And as Grace Key reports, the return to some level of normalcy is also a boost to some businesses. Bottom lines. Cosplay ballroom dancing is just the start of the journey for tens of thousands of people heading to Fan Expo at the Vancouver Convention Center, the first full Fan Expo since the pandemic. And it's great to see the community coming back uh, and celebrating pop culture. You can see there's a huge demand and really it's about coming together. It's about celebrating shared passion. So we're really pleased to see everyone coming out in full force again this year. Businesses are glad to be back. Toy Traders has been a key sponsor since the beginning. Over the past 11 years, the Langley store has seen the event continue to grow. People in Vancouver don't really realize that out in Langley, this place is here. So I get to come here, interact with the fans, meet new people who are into this world, much like myself, and they in turn will come to visit our store. So that's a huge opportunity for us to meet thousands of people in a very short, small window. Besides all the activities, comics and collectibles, another big draw checking out everyone's costumes. I'm my own character. This took about like three weeks and then the alterations of the dress took about five hours and then this took like a day and a half. And this is all made of um, like pink insulation foam board um, and they use some PVC pipes so I can actually take off the whole handle and I put some electronics in here so I can even change the colors. I'm cosplaying Hawks from My Hero Academia. I had to cut each of the feathers out and then sew them on individually. Where we are right now is basically a place where people with different like ways to dress up and have fun, yeah. just all meet together and just have more fun. Yes. Yeah, we we, we really love it. It's This is my first time being at a Comic-Con with all these cool, with, with all these cosplayers. He likes it. Cosplayers are just excited to be uniting in fandom for this family day long weekend event. Grace Key, Global News. Okay, that looks like so much fun. Yeah. Looks like Halloween all over again, as, as Vaughn was saying. <laughs> yeah, good, good audience participation. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. How's sports looking tonight? Hey, Barry. Well, how you doing? Yeah, it's a little lighter yeah. than it was yesterday. The Canucks uh, won last night. Like I said, depends on uh, what uh, camp you're in, if that's good news or not, because <laughs> they're not going to make the playoffs. So why win? That's my uh, feeling. But Pedersen was great. That guy has really stepped it up. So we'll hear from uh, Elias and his teammates about uh, how he's taken it up another notch. Canada's women's soccer team, of course, embroiled in that uh, big dispute with Soccer Canada. 
Well, they back on the pitch today against Brazil, and they won, so we'll show you highlights of that okay, as well. Okay, all right. Sounds yeah. good. Looking forward to that. Thanks both. We'll see you soon. Coming up, the cutting-edge cancer treatment relying on a whole new kind of intelligence. The more examples it sees, the better it gets at really identifying these subtle patterns that differentiate you know, one from another. How artificial intelligence is providing a groundbreaking assist when it comes to determining treatments. The Canadian Connection. That's after the break. Pink Shirt Day reminds us all to be kind, to lift each other up, to speak up for those who don't have a voice. The CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day, presented by Global BC and 980 CKNW. Visit our online store at pinkshirtday.ca. Well, many industries are just beginning to see the impacts of artificial intelligence, and that includes the field of medicine. Catherine Ward now on how a cutting-edge AI model that's been developed by Canadian scientists is helping breast cancer patients. It feels like something out of a dream in terms of the impact I've been able to make. Amy Tai always knew she wanted to help cancer patients. Her AI model is exceeding expectations just a year into its development. And it was like that light bulb moment where I was like, yes, this is what I want to do for my master's. The AI looks at a new type of MRI scan in breast cancer patients. Which is really tailored at capturing details and properties of cancer in a way that previous MRI systems cannot capture. The model then works to determine if chemotherapy would be helpful prior to surgery. One example after another, the AI learns and builds its knowledge. The more examples it sees, the better it gets at really identifying these subtle patterns that differentiate you know, one from another. It's able to really understand and then be able to predict whether a particular patient, based on this MRI data, is likely to benefit from a certain type of chemotherapy. The tool was able to identify and predict which patients would benefit from chemotherapy with over 87% accuracy when it reviewed a group of more than 250 patients in the United States. A big help for doctors who have traditionally read those scans. AI is always there as a complementary tool or assistant to a doctor to help them make better decisions so they're able to treat more patients as well as give them a better quality level of care and patients navigating treatment options. So patients, especially cancer patients, have very limited time and they want to make sure that they have the best possible treatment because there's that opportunity cost if you choose one type of treatment, that you lose the time and the resources to do another type of treatment. Catherine Ward, Global News, Toronto. Coming up, serious squad goals. They started a women's league down in the States and then we were approached to create the first all-Canadian team. Meet the women dominating the paintball park and going pro. That's coming up after sports. Stay with us. Head to BC Place for Sevens Rugby. The HSBC Canada Sevens Tournament returns for three days of high-intensity Sevens Rugby, featuring 28 of the world's top teams on the field and the ultimate costume party in the stands. Info at CanadaSevens.com. One in three Canadian children are at risk of going to school hungry. That's why Global News and the Grocery Foundation are partnering for hashtag Toonies for Tummies, benefiting student nutrition programs for kids in our community. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Our BC is brought to you by London Drugs. CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day is on February 22nd. Get your pink shirt merchandise now at London Drugs. Welcome back. Barry is back mm -hmm. after a sprint into the studio. Yes, yes. Just 
sometimes you, you, know, get, you get behind. Sometimes you forget about the time. But I tell you, Elias Pettersson, ever since mm -hmm. Bo Horvat left, they kind of want to heap some uh, more leadership responsibilities yeah. on him, and he's really taken it by the horn. He's a quiet guy, but, uh, man, is he shown by example. Okay. All right, thanks, Sarah. Elias Pettersson uh, has taken his game to a new level this year, and he was the star of the show last night with a five-point night as the Canucks beat the Flyers 6-2. Now, it's great to see Pettersson excel. Not so good if you uh, want the Canucks' lottery chances to improve, but they are currently sixth last right now. Pettersson has risen to seventh in the entire NHL scoring race with a career-high 71 points already. He's on pace for 105, and he's certainly getting a chemistry with newcomer Anthony Beauvais who also scored twice last night. Petey's such a great guy. I mean, he down to earth and he's he, he wouldn't say anything, you know. I mean, he, he's just uh, super smart out there. I'm just trying to read off of him and, you know, do my thing and then try to create some room for him to do his things. And uh, I think we can, uh, that's how we, we've been at our best lately uh, by doing that. It's been great so far. I mean, he's, he's fast, makes plays, uh, and he. Yeah, he finds the finds the area to score goals, so uh, it's fun to play with. That's what I like about Pee's line. Uh, you know, I didn't like their first two periods against the Rangers. A lot of turnovers, and I thought tonight they responded and they had a really good game. I think Kuzi's, you know, Sergey's been working with him, and we've been working with him. And he's ch he's chipping away at his game. Like I thought Kuzi was, you know, like he's playing and he wants to learn. That's what I like about him. He's not pouting or nothing, and uh, you know, he's getting rewarded. And Canucks at Nashville Tuesday. Oilers and Avalanche this afternoon. Rematch of last year's Western Conference Final. Oilers jumped out 3-0 thanks to this goal from Leon Dreisaitl, his 33rd. But the Oilers have a penchant for coughing up leads, and uh, they gave two back to make it 3-2 before Devin Shore sets up Tyson Berry, whose screenshot beats Alex Gergiev to make it 4-2 Edmonton after two. But the Oilers, like we said, have blown some leads of late. And Nathan McKinnon flying down the wing, snaps a pass Jack Campbell. It's 4-3. Oilers got it right back, though. Connor McDavid with uh, his only point of the night, number 103 this season, sets up this blast from Matthias Janmark. 5-3 Edmonton. But again, back come the abs. They made it 5-4. And then Arturi Lekkonen tips home the JT Comfort point shot with about four minutes to go. It's 5-all. We need overtime and in OT. Miko Rantanen swoops in, fakes Campbell, fires home the game winner. Avalanche starting to play like champs again. 6-5 the final. Oilers' third straight loss in extra time. Leafs and Blackhawks from Chicago, where Patrick Kane is expected to get dealt before the March 3rd trade deadline. Well, he helped the Blackhawks trade value tonight. Kane with a, smooth, a sweet move here to go five-hole. Yet a natural hat-trick in this game. Gave the Blackhawks a 3-1 lead. But Toronto got one back. Noel Achari, who was acquired in the blockbuster deal along with Ryan O'Reilly from the Blues, gets his first as a Maple Leaf. 3-2 Chicago after two. Leafs tied it on a goal by Mitch Marner. But Cole Gutman scores his first NHL goal in just his third career game. That's a pretty good shot. Game winner, Blackhawks upset the Leafs 5-3. Canada's women's soccer team taking on Brazil at the She Believes Cup in Nashville. Canadian players continue their solidarity against the Canadian Soccer Association over equal wages and pay cuts, wearing the purple T-shirts with the message, enough is enough. Hopefully they will get what is due. I 
don't like the games they play at that level. Canada lost 2-0 to the U.S. in their opener, but get off to a bright start. Jesse Fleming with the corner, headed in nicely by Vanessa Gilles. Nice execution of the set piece, 1-0 Canada at the half. And then in the second half, off another set piece, Fleming with the service again into the box where all sorts of mayhem takes place. Finally, Evelyn Vienne will smash it home for Canada. 2-0, that's the final. Nice bounce back win for Canada. They play Japan in their final match of the tournament on Wednesday. English Premiership, Manchester United starting to look like the United of old, already up 1-0 against Leicester City. Marcus Rashford had scored earlier, and he adds a second here. Beautiful speed by Rashford, and then goes between the keeper's legs to make it 2-0. He's got 24 goals in all competitions. He's playing great for Man U. Jaden Sancho will then put away the return feed from Bruno Fernandez. That's a pretty goal there. United win 3-0 solidly in third place. 49 points this season, five behind Arsenal, who are at the top. Final round of the Genesis from famed Riviera Country Club in Los Angeles. Tiger Woods, great tee shot here on the 16th. Tiger would make birdie, but you can see Tiger kind of wearing down today. 72 holes this week on that leg. He injured so badly in that car accident. It's amazing that he's even playing again at this level, but he finished tied 45th at minus one. Big crowds all week. Surrey's Adam Svensson had a profitable week in L.A. Second hole from the fringe, rolls it in for birdie. He had a birdie-birdie start to the round, playing in the second-last group of the day, although was a little too far back to contend. Sixth hole from the bunker. How about this? That'll win him some cash. Ended up finishing a tied ninth. 545,000 U.S. dollars for Adam Svensson. Nice payday for him. Now top 10 in the FedEx standings. Nick Taylor, 33rd. Adam Hadwin was 66th. But it was the Spaniard, John Rahm, who continues to dominate this season. Tied with Max Homa at the 14th. But Rahm takes the lead thanks to this fantastic 46-footer for birdie. Got to 16-under and a one-shot lead. And then at the par 3, 16th. I wish they had that shot tracer when we played uh, at the golf course. It does make it a lot easier. Right at the hole, almost goes in. Inside three feet, he made that for birdie, and John Rahm wins the Genesis Invitational by two over Max Homa. His third win already this year, and he's won five of his last nine starts worldwide. He's already won nearly $10 million in prize money so far this year. Scotty's curling from Kamloops, and can anyone stop Kerry Anderson, the three-time Defending Canadian champ, they took on Caitlin Law's rink, one of three wildcard rinks in the field of 18. Tight game, Anderson with a great shot here. They measured for the second point and got it, and that was the difference as they won 10-9. So they are 3-0, Laws drops to 2-1. BC's Clancy Grandy also won, she too is 2-1. And, and we'll finish with some auto racing. The NASCAR season kicking off with its traditional Daytona 500 from Florida. Four laps to go, Kyle Busch with the pass on Brad Keselowski. Bush in great position to win his first ever Daytona 500 in his 18th start, but as is often the case late in these races, this happens, a bit of a wreck. So Daniel Suarez spins out, caution comes out, so it'll be a two-lap overtime shootout to the finish. On the restart, a race to the front, but moments later, another crash. So they gotta stop and start again. So they try again. This time they do get to the final lap, and just as that happens, you guessed it, more uh, carnage. But we see the crew of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. 
celebrating. That's because by rule, if there's a caution on the final lap of a restart, the car in front of the race at the time wins, and that was Stenhouse Jr., a journeyman who snaps a 199 race winless streak. So he's the Daytona 500 champ. Not exactly the most dramatic way to end a race that's been going on for five hours, but I guess if they didn't have that rule, they'd still be going until True. there were no cars left. So. That's an intense day at work. Yes, that's mm -hmm. very intense. Okay, coming up. Thanks, Barry. There's a new pro team in town. This one is all about paintball. Stay with us. Very cool. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you by JM Media. Visit jmmedia.ca. We leave you tonight with a group of women taking their passion for paintball to the pros. As Jay Durant reports in This is BC, the squad formed right here on the West Coast is gearing up to head south of the border to the big leagues. These weekend warriors are on a mission. Less than a month to go before Team Canada makes its debut at the National Expo League. Two years ago, they started a women's league down in the States. And then we were approached to create the first all-Canadian team. They've gone coast recruiting talent for their eight-member squad. We have a mom that's come here from Nova Scotia. Yep, she's flown all the way from Nova Scotia to try out. And we have another girl from Ottawa who has been playing just as long as I have. There are dozens of men's and women's pro teams in the U.S. and Europe. And with prize money on the line, the competition can get very intense. So you're getting shot at 300 feet per second, 10.2 balls per second. Um, so you definitely get some good bruises, maybe a couple bloody lips. 95% of the time, you need to have one leg up. You need to be able to pop up. You need to be quick. Everyone here pretty much had the same start in paintball, blasting around the woods at a birthday party or some other booking. Now this group is set to show the Americans that the Northern Lights will be a new force to contend with for years to come. And it looks like their team is going to be pretty solid. Yeah, excited. Everybody around is excited. The whole community is excited. I definitely got run down and shot in the face. <laughs> Our goal long term is to have a West Coast camp and an East Coast camp so then the girls in the East can practice together, the girls in the West can practice together. Then when we go to competition, we have two solid lines. We're going down there as a women's team and playing against women. It's something brand new and very exciting for us. Jay Durant, Global News. If you know of a great local story for Jay, email us at thisisbc at globalnews. Dot .ca that looks like so much fun and very cool and messy and messy <laughs> maybe painful yeah. warrior mentality yeah. that's right they don't care about them no they don't <laughs> okay quick look at weather before we go uh, we've got a wet and windy one for our family day uh, once again if you're traveling along the mountain passes a significant amount of snow most areas though along the south coast will see those winds really start to intensify towards the evening and then we've got some unsettled conditions much cooler into next week Okay, sounds good. That's all for us this evening. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you right back here at 11 o'clock. Yeah.